Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Welcome back to the Gonzo Chronicles. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Hey, um, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day, and uh, one of the most interesting topics come to, come to mind, like all the things that we weren't taught in high school about history, or the stuff that we were taught that was absolutely wrong now that we, you know, years later, we learn more about it. And I started thinking, you know, it's sad that education like real education doesn't really start until you're in your 30s, and that's if you're curious. And I can't say that most people are curious. It's unfortunate, but it's true. But it's true. So, you know, given recent events in the news, I thought I'd talk a little bit about things that we should have learned in high school or growing up that we didn't know. Because in the news lately, you know, Two and a half, three years after the fact, everybody's saying you're a conspiracy theorist if you thought that the COVID-19 virus came from the Wuhan lab. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You got to be shamed and canceled. And now even mainstream media is admitting, yeah, that was true. That was true. There was enough evidence back then to know it. Certain people did. They said it. And they got kicked off social media. Remember how mean people got about the COVID vaccines that if you didn't want to get one, uh, like people on The View and certain people in media, people with talk shows saying, hey, get the shot or you're or like Gene Simmons. Like, I love Kiss. Gene Simmons said, you're not a patriotic American. You're not a good American. You had no right to deny um, a vaccine if your government wants to force it on you or your employer. And they actually said people should lose their jobs and not be allowed to go shopping and be around people. So in other words, people on the hard left wanted to deny you your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you didn't take a vaccine you weren't comfortable with. Hmm. I mean, people take flu shots every year. Some people don't. I've never had a flu shot in my life. I can count on one hand the number of times since 9-11 that I've been sick. I must have a pretty good immune system, knock on wood. But now we come to find out all these things about the vaccines that people said were dangerous are now kind of coming true. And the mainstream media finally slowly coming around to admit to that. So that's another thing we've been gaslit and lied about. 
lied to about. So, oh yeah, the Hunter Biden laptop story, all that was all Russian disinformation. Uh, wait a minute, it's, now it's true. Hmm. So it makes you wonder, like, how much of your history book growing up that did you read? And how much of your history did you believe that maybe isn't true? So I wanted to talk about just a handful of things today that, man, we should have been taught growing up, but we weren't. One of the biggest pieces of misinformation, you can walk up and down any street in America right now, this very minute, and ask someone, who was the first president of the United States? Almost to a fault, everyone's going to say, well, George Washington. But would it blow your mind if I told you that George Washington was, in fact, not the first president of the United States? Some sources say we had eight presidents before him. Some say 12. We're going to get into that today. Let's talk about some other things. Um, one of the things that I wish I would have learned in school was the about the interwar period between World War I and World War II. How exactly did somebody like Hitler come to rise? And Mussolini? And how did the communists come to rise? We need to learn this history so that in our republic, which is what we are, we're not a democracy, you read your constitution, nowhere in there is the word democracy ever mentioned. We're a republic if we can keep it. Um, how do we keep our nation the way it is. We need to learn from the past so that we see what happens in other cultures where they fall and pray to socialism and communism. Yeah, we're facing that here today. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So why didn't we learn about that interwar period between 1918 and 1939, right after the First World War? Um, that should have been a chapter in my history book all its own, or two chapters or three. Um, it was certainly a tumultuous time in Europe, uh, America, Asia. Um, so it sowed the seeds during that time, in my opinion, from what I've learned, just my humble opinion, from my reading over the years. Sowed a lot of the seeds from everything from the modern protests we see today, the Antifa and all that, 9-11 and uh, Soviet Union that we had to deal with when I was, you know, the Cold War when I was growing up, to fascism. And even what's going on today in Ukraine. So, essentially the collapse of all these empires, the old empires in Europe, and the emergence of communism and fascism, we should have learned something about that. So here are all the things from 1917 to 1924 that, that happened, right? And these had long-lasting impacts on economies and people psychologically and socially. How much did you learn about the Spanish flu? We just went through COVID-19. How much did you know about the Spanish flu? Unless you looked it up after you heard of COVID-19 and how we dealt with the last great world pandemic. Um, there was During that time, there was global economic upheaval and economic crisis. Did you know the Irish fought their war for independence during that time frame? And the Allied occupation of uh, the, uh, the rural area of Germany. Um, had some resistance. The rise of Mussolini took place during those years. There was a civil war and a failed socialist revolution in Germany. Hitler had his infamous beer hall putsch. 
Hungary turned uh, communist for about a year. Um, Romania invaded Transylvania. The Ukraine tried to become independent. Yes, between the years of 1917 and 1924, but they were overrun by the Bolsheviks. Yeah, the communists. Um, the same people who had the uh, Bolshevik Revolution. The Baltic Wars of Independence took place. Wow, that kind of harkens back to the old uh, Bill Clinton years, huh? The Baltic Wars, the Balkans. Um, actually, the Allies, the Allied powers in uh, uh, from World War One, um, they tried to carve up Turkey, and that caused the Turkish War of Independence. There was a lot of Arab revolts throughout the whole Middle East. The creation of Saudi Arabia came about then. Wow, one of the world's biggest um, oil-producing countries that has had such sway over us in the West for the last 40, 50 years because of their uh, dominance in oil. You'd think we'd learn a little bit about that. Um, let's see what else happened. Uh, wow, they had a red summer. Yeah, the, the communist summer. There were race riots in Tulsa. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, here in America. Uh, women's suffrage came about during that era. Um, there was a, obviously, you know, it was a red scare, a uh, communist scare in Europe and America. Um, yeah, and the Russian Revolution and the Russian Civil War took place during that time, right after World War One. And no one in the West really knows much about that, and you know, it's wildly misunderstood. It actually killed, most likely, more Russians than they than died in World War One. Those are some pretty dramatic world events. I think we probably should have learned in our world history class. Um. Yeah, you know, it's Southeast Asia, so I had to look some of this stuff up. Uh, the entirety of Southeast Asia was neglected in my growing up. I like I never learned anything. Like you brushed over Vietnam. You know, we, we learned a little bit about Japan in World War II. Um, and then there was maybe a little bit of, like, Chinese history, but it goes back to the, all the old dynasties and all that. So that was about it. And Indians, you know, as referred to Native Americans, you know, we referred to them, we always called them Indians growing up in school. We learned a little bit about that, not much. I couldn't tell you about any of the tribes with any certainty of um, history. And I live in an area that was dominated by uh, Cherokee and Shawnee before uh, Appalachians settled this area. So why do I not know what happened on my own home turf without stopping and reading these you know, <laughs> road markers and going out of my way here at my age to learn more about what happened right where my feet are standing now? Um, you know, it wasn't until like recently that I, I learned that India... Uh, was a huge factor in World War II. I didn't know three million Indians died. But they fought both the Japanese uh, on the Eastern Front, the Germans on the Western. And, you know, that three million Indians died. Contrast that with about 380 to 400,000 U.S. soldiers and about 400,000 British soldiers. No one ever gives uh, India uh, a nod when it comes to World War II history from anything I've read. Crazy, huh? Um, 
Let's see what else happened. Uh, did, uh, we never learned much about the uh, Native American smallpox epidemic. All right, didn't didn't learn much about that. Um, that swept through the population so fast that almost all of them contact came in contact with it. And it was like some post-apocalyptic society through a lot of the tribes. Why did we not know anything about that? Something like 99% of them were dead by the time Europeans even made it far enough to contact them. Smallpox is literally like the only reason Europeans were able to colonize North America. Seriously, if smallpox had not come through and wiped out most of the tribes, or most of the Native Americans, can you imagine how long it would have taken to have conquered the land? Maybe we never would have. But history classes treat it like it was, you know, just a single event among many when it was a history-defining event. What do we really know about our Native Americans and the cultures? We, we think we know some things, all right? But, you know, by the time we got here, they were kind of like a, just a remnant of what they were before. Why do we not learn more about the Eastern Front of World War II? Um, we were taught uh, in high school there was there was fighting there. You know, we mostly talked about what happened over in Europe. Um, uh, you know, just uh, some of some of those high you know highlights of those European battles. Um, we've learned mostly that there's you know fighting in Stalingrad and the Red Army helped us win the war, and that was about it. The Russians played a big part. Again, no one mentioned India, losing three million people. Nine out of ten German soldiers who became casualties in World War II did so fighting the Russians. Not the British, not the Americans, the Russians. Germany just poured overwhelming weight um, and all their resources uh, into fighting the Russians. and It cost them everything. Um, in a way, I sort of understand why we downplayed that in our history books, even though we shouldn't have, but... You know, we're in the middle of a Cold War. We don't want to basically say, hey, we sided with the the bad guys, the one of the bad guys, one of the really bad guys to help us beat another really bad guy. But the Russians' contribution played a massive role in ending World War II. And uh, we don't really hear that in American schools. Um, so many things. Didn't learn much about the fall of Rome in the Middle Ages and why Rome fell. Seems like that would be important. Uh, we didn't learn how the island of Britain was carved up um, by two sections. Right, There were walls put up in Britain. You want to talk about the Great Wall of China? You want to talk about a, a, a wall on America's border? You know, you want to talk about you know, just, just walls put up. There were two walls put up in Britain um, to keep, I guess, separate the territories. Britain uh, or, or Rome had, uh, there was one called uh, uh, the, Antioch, the Antioch Wall and then Hadrian's Wall to the south. Yeah. The Seven Years' War, that was interesting, right? It was also known as the French and Indian War. That was a world-shaping event that still has, uh, I think, uh, reverberated to the current day. It was really a world war right here in America, 1756 to 1763. Spanned all three continents except Australia. It was actually um, 
arguably you could say George Washington started it 12 years before the American Revolutionary War, and it led not just to the American independence, but also the French Revolution and the rise of Napoleon. It all started because George Washington, acting as a British ambassador and a lieutenant uh, of the British military, ambushed and killed a French military commander. Um, although, admittedly, that was just the spark of a giant powder keg. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Um, yeah. Seven Years' War led to the Revolutionary War. Uh, War of 1812 seems like it'd be pretty important. We didn't really do a whole lot. Actually, kids today, I talked to my nephews and nieces. Ah, they don't uncover it. I mean, they might get like a brief mention. And here's a paragraph on it. Go read it. You know? Um, yeah, it's... Uh, why do we not know more about the... the you know, like the... <laughs> well, we barely even cover that. Like, you know, like... They barely even covered the trivia fact today of, like, the White House being burned down. And did you know that? I'd say probably a lot of my listeners probably know that. Didn't talk much about the Reconstruction era after the U.S. Civil War. Ten years of trying to enforce a racially equal society. And then there was, uh, you know, just a terrorist campaign, uh, Conducted and the government abandoned the project. <laughs> Second, you know, there's so much there in the Reconstruction era. That was the period right after the Civil War, from 1865 to 1875, 10, 12, 10 or 12 years right after. Um, you could probably find some really interesting books out there about it. I recommend doing that. Why do we not hear about the Iranian Revolution of 1979? We have so many problems with Iran today. That is something that should have been mentioned to me in my history books. The Iranian Revolution. Um, you barely even touch on it. You might maybe get a mention of it in a college history class if they mention it at all. But it was one of the more important events of the late 20th century. And it drastically changed the course of the Middle East. And drastically changed American politics. Actually led to the election of President Reagan. And, of course... Why does people not know about the why do people not know about Cyrus the Great's conquest of Babylon in about 540 BC? Cyrus the Great, that's an interesting maybe one of these days I'll talk about that. Took on Babylon. Um Yeah, you can always look up Cyrus the Great. That's kind of a I like that name. So anyway, there's so many historical events out there that we never really talk about. But when I was in high school. I never heard about the presidents before George Washington. So we just did this quick pace, like, who's your presidents? And, you know, you have them all showing up on the wall. And now we're up to 46 with Biden. Um, but the presidents before Washington were never discussed, let alone explained to me in any kind of detail. Here's my mode of thinking growing up. I thought, okay. When it comes to setting up the U.S. government, the first president, you know, election was, was pretty swift, right? And I thought I knew them all. One, hey, we had the Revolutionary War, then we had our Declaration of Independence, and the United States Constitution came about, and then here comes George Washington, the first president. I knew it all, right? That's exactly how it happened. I knew about the Articles of the Confederation, and I knew about the Continental Congress, but I just thought, hey, those are the 
steps that happened so quickly. There wasn't really a need for a president until then, and uh, we just had to kick the British to the curb before we elected a president. Well, no. That's not how history unfolded at all. Now, you can debate whether America actually became a country in 1776 when it declared its independence, uh, or in 1781, five years later, when the Articles of Confederation were adopted, uh, or the other argument is 1783. Did we become a country in 1783 with the Treaty of Paris, and Britain had finally acknowledged that America was an independent nation? So there's some debate of some historians. Um, these time periods are, you know, pretty interesting, and um, to you know, in relation to George Washington become the first, you know, the president of the United States. But there was a long stretch of time in there, folks. Um, George Washington became president in 1789. So in 1776, when we declared our independence, what were we just like a bunch of unorganized rabble-rousers running around with muskets, waiting to pick a fight, trying to win when we could? Did we, we had a Continental Congress, so who acted, who was in charge? Did these people just get together and try to make some decisions once in a while, and, you know, you didn't have the widespread information we have today, like internet, TV news, and newspapers even. They had them, but they weren't, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't be in Baltimore and read Boston's news that morning, you know what I mean? So, did we have some leaders? Did we have any executive officers while George Washington was out beating the shit out of the British? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we did. Here's some names for you. Some you've heard of, maybe most of them you probably haven't, because I didn't hear of most of them, just a couple, two or three. Peyton Randolph, Henry Middleton, Henry Lawrence, John Jay. I do recall he's the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Yeah, he was a president. Samuel Huntington. Thomas McKeon, John Hansen, Elias Budna, Thomas Mifflin, Richard Henry Lee, John Hancock, Nathaniel Gorham, Arthur St. Clair, and Cyrus Griffin. Those guys, sort of, I think that might, I think it, that might be in chronological order, I'm not sure. But I don't think they had like non-consecutive terms or anything. They all served as president in some form or fashion. From September 5th, 1774 to July 1st, 1776, Peyton Randolph, Henry Middleton, and John Hancock served, all three served at different times as president of the Continental Congress for the United Colonies of America. So yeah, we had a president. From July 2nd, 1776 to February 28th, 1781, John Hancock, Henry Lawrence, John Jay, and Samuel Hamilton all served as presidents of the Continental Congress of the United States of America. Now notice it went from the United Colonies of America to the United States of America, because we declared our independence in 1776. Now, with the Articles of Confederation, we, according to my research here, we, those were adopted on March 1st of 1781. And this is when a lot of people 
I guess, started to see the formation of America and its government. So on March 1st, 1781, Samuel Hamilton transitioned into president and continued to serve as president of the United States in Congress assembled until he became ill in July. All right, so he didn't serve long, just a few months. And then he was replaced by Thomas McKeon on July 19th, 1781. And then he only served out the remaining of that term. And in November 5th, 1781, John Hansen was elected as the third president of the United States in Congress assembled. But he was the first president to serve his full term. Yeah, you know, we we had presidents before George Washington. We had to have people that were in charge and, and could be leaders. While our first official president, George Washington, sure, he was the first president under the Constitution of the United States. Because, um, let's see, it says here, um, where, where did I have this written down? Over the next several years, right, after Hansen, uh, under the Articles of the Confederation, you had Elias Boudinot, Thomas Mifflin, Richard Henry Lee, John Hancock, Nathaniel Gorman, or Gorham, Arthur St. Clair, and Cyrus Griffin. They all served as President of the United States in Congress, assembled, until in 1789, when the United States Constitution was ratified, and we got rid of the Articles of Confederation, George Washington was elected as the first president of the United States. Every single one of those names, I am so sorely disappointed that my history teachers in middle school, high school, and college never brought those names to my attention. And it's things like that that make me think that yeah, my education, my education system, the education system, if you have children or grandkids in school, they're failing miserably to educate the next generation of citizens the way it needs to be educated. I am not a proponent of any kind of discrimination or hiding, hiding news or facts in history. Not all the facts. I mean, I love our country's history because... And so many things, it's so romantic and beautiful and brave. And then there are dark periods of history. And we should teach every single one of those before we tear statues down. You know, we, we don't, we don't, how can we call ourselves educated if we're too damn afraid to learn? So that's one thing that has driven me to read so much here in the last 15 years. I soak up every book I can get. Fiction, nonfiction, doesn't doesn't matter. Any anything with history, no wonder I've become such a fan of documentaries. And then I'll even question those, and we always should, because we're always seems like we're being gaslit, and we're never really taught the accurate truth of what we what we should. There's actually a, a the West. I think I read that it was the Westin Hotel in Annapolis, Maryland. If you ever stay there, in the lobby. You might have to move some ferns around or some luggage carriers or something to find it. But along the wall, you'll find portraits of every one of these men that were considered presidents of the United States before George Washington became the first president under the U.S. Constitution. Probably the only place in the country you will find 
and not a public acknowledgement of these these men. I had to dig around on the internet and find several. Like I said, I had several that said there were six presidents. Some said there were eight. Some said there were twelve. I'm like, well, which is true? Now I'm going, you know, so even the ones that I mentioned, exactly how true are those? I want to do a deep dive into history and find out what contribution did each of them make during our revolutionary period to help us become a free nation? Why are they not lauded in our history books for being uh, great men of renown? Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Anyway, how about that for a history lesson on the Gonzo Chronicles? <laughs> Hopefully I haven't rattled on too long. But I hopefully, if anybody's listening to this, I hope it sparks a little bit of your love and curiosity of history. What events have you been gaslighting about, gaslit about, in your opinion, that should be uh, revisited? What historical things should be rewritten about in our history books? What, what kind of things do you like to read? Love to hear some thoughts from you guys. Cyrus.Alderwood at gmail.com. Email us here at the show. Thanks for listening to another episode. We'll be back soon. Cheers.